if you got your Bible, open to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to be. Now, I mentioned on Wednesday night, I want to share with you something. Uh, back during the, the late summer, early fall, I felt like God had laid on my heart to lead us through the book of Acts as we moved into this new year. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I was reading, a lot of the stuff that I was able to participate in uh, when I went up to Atlanta for that week, just really you know, brought home the idea of community, the idea of neighboring, all of those things that you've heard me mention a lot over really the last five or six months. And then I had a, about a five-minute conversation where I thought, you know what, maybe Luke is the way to go. And so I thought, well, okay, we'll go through Luke. And ever since I sort of made that decision, I felt uneasy about it in my spirit and just kind of felt like God was leading us back to Acts because the more you look at the story, you realize it is all about community. It's all about neighboring. It's all about coming together and serving one another. And I feel that it is much, much, much more important to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? Because that's what we want to do. We want to learn to lean more on the Holy Spirit and to trust the Holy Spirit with our lives. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to carry forward through the book of Acts, which is great because it is one of my favorites. One of the great things about the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit figures really, really prominently in the book. Here are some of his exploits in the, in the book of Acts. Fills the believers in the upper room on Pentecost. Fills Peter before he speaks to the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish ruling council. Guides Philip to the Ethiopian official, which is also known as the eunuch, but he'd probably rather go by official. Comes upon the Gentiles, leading people to baptize them into Christ, starting in Acts chapter 10, and then empowers these new communities of faith as you, you go through Scripture. Uh, Earl Lavender, who is uh, he's actually, I've, I've had the opportunity to study under him over this last year. This is what he says about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He says, more than 40 times Luke identifies the Holy Spirit as the one who guides the action. Did you know that? More than 40 times you see the Holy Spirit being designated as the one who is involved and who is leading. Wouldn't that be awesome if a visitor left this church and said, that church is guided by the Holy Spirit? Would it not? It would be incredible. That's what, what I want us to be, that, that where we rely on the Holy Spirit where we're asking the Holy Spirit to, to fill us. We're asking the Holy Spirit to manifest the fruits of the Spirit within, within our lives. So what I want to do is just very quickly, I want to chart through Acts chapter 1 and 2, and then I'm going to hit a text that, that Jeffrey has already kind of laid the groundwork for at the, the end of Acts 2 because it kind of sets the tone for, for everything that we want to do. So Acts is the next book written by Luke. Is everybody kind of aware of that? Okay, so in a way, we are doing Luke. We're just doing Luke's next volume, which is about the church and about the Spirit and how it began to grow and spread and go throughout the world. Well, in Acts chapter 1, it opens up, and you have Jesus, who is hanging around with the disciples. Okay, he is risen. They're pretty pumped about it because it turns out 
Jesus was right. That he did arise after three days. And they're just kind of waiting, hanging out, and Jesus tells them, wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem, which is the most dangerous place on the earth at this time. He says, just wait, because soon there's going to be power that comes on you from on high. You're going to be filled with the Spirit, and you're going to do all of these incredible things. And just as Jesus is pumping them up and telling them about the Spirit, He ascends back to heaven and just leaves them alone. And they're just there, hanging out. But we've got to think back to what Jesus said. There's one who is coming after me, who's going to do great things. And you're going to do great things through this, through this Spirit. And so they just don't really, I guess, imagine they don't really know what to do. So they gather in a room, and they do the only thing they can do, and that is pray. And so they enter a season of prayer that lasts for about 10 days. And it leads them, it leads them all the way up to, to Pentecost. Pentecost is this Jewish celebration that, that celebrates God's great provision. Look at Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2, start in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. Now then watch verse 3 and 4 right here. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They were all, say the red words with me, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the disciples were able to speak in these other tongues. You had all these other nations that were sort of gathered in Jerusalem celebrating Pentecost, and now they hear their native tongue. They hear their language. Remember back when we talked about in, in, in manger things at the end of the year, we talked about God's people doing their own thing and getting above where they should have been, and God came down and He scrambled their language at Babel. At Pentecost, they are now able to hear the Word of God again. They're able to hear the message in their own tongue, and they're wondering what has happened. Some people accuse them of being drunk, and Peter says, hey, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, and it's then that Peter stands up and he preaches, he preaches this, incredible, this incredible sermon. And he says, this is what's going on. And he takes the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, as his primary text. Look at verse 17. He says, And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my what? Spirit on who? On all people that your who? Sons and will what? Prophesy. What does that mean? Yeah, to talk about God. To preach, to teach, to testify. That's what it means to prophesy. To stand up and declare the truth of God. And what God has said through the prophet Joel is in the last days, which by the way, we're living in the last days. If you haven't figured that out yet, we're living in the last days. Till Jesus comes back, we're in the last days. Okay? And so what, he's, what God said is in the last days, 
I'm going to pour out my spirit on everybody. And the men are going to prophesy. And the women are going to prophesy. Verse 18, I'll even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both who? Men and women. And what will they do? They will prophesy. I will display my wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes on and he transitions to to talking about Jesus. Saying it is Jesus who you crucified. You are the ones who took Jesus and and hung Him on the cross. And it says that they were cut to the heart. That they're moved by this. And so they begin looking at one another. As they're hearing Peter proclaim the Word of God, they look around and there's no invitation offered. You know, there's no come as we stand and sing altar call or anything like that the people are so upset so moved so whatever you want to say by this message and about their actions that they committed 50 days earlier when they hung Jesus on the cross that they respond and they look at Peter and they look at the other apostles and say what what do we do what should, we, what should we do about this? Because we realize now, hey, we've blown it. We've sort, of, we've sort of missed it here. What should we do? Verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, what? Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the the Holy Spirit. And they did. And it said that 3,000 people were baptized on that day, on the day of Pentecost. The day that celebrates God's provision now has even more meaning because they realize, yeah, God's provided, okay, it's great, but now they have this understanding that not only has God provided for just basic everyday needs, He's also provided the vehicle of salvation. And that salvation comes through Jesus. So when they say, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized. In other words, what they're saying is, look, step into the community. Come and be a part of this. Come and have those sins washed away. Come and be in this family. Come and have the Holy Spirit fill you and live within you and empower you This is the promise that has been coming for generation after generation after generation. And they respond by the thousands. 3,000 people. And then all of a sudden you have the birth of the church right here. That is it. We today are an extension of what happened back then at Pentecost. Do you realize that? That every time we gather as a body, Every time we do something individually for the church in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, we are participating in what took place at Pentecost. We we are the church. 
We are the church. And so now, you got 3,000 people that's just, you know, they've just done this incredible thing. There's this new group, and it's like, well, what do we do now? You know, we've got this new community here. What do we do? Verse 42 tells us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's what they did. What do we do? Let's devote ourselves to the teachings about Jesus. I mean, that's what the apostles were teaching, right? I mean, they're not going to be teaching people about fishing or whatever other profession they left behind. The apostles' teaching is about Jesus. And so they devoted themselves to learning as much about Jesus and as much about God's kingdom as they possibly could. They devoted themselves to, to fellowship, to communing together, to prayer. You know, that, that, that communing together, that's, that's inclusive of taking communion together, but you know what it also means? It means this right here. Sitting around a table with one another. Spending time together. I think we could probably say it like this. They, as the community, devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to, to prayer. This is what they were, this is what they were, were devoted to. Now then, let's, let's just read the rest of the passage. Watch this, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property. They distributed the proceeds to all as any had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, broke bread from house to house, and they ate their food with joy, joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That's the community of God right there. That's the, the church of God. That's Jesus' church. Come together recognizing, hey, we need one another. Let's dig in and learn about Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's spend time fellowshipping with one another around tables breaking bread and remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's this whole story that I've just really just zoomed over that it contains our theme for 2018. Now then, I've suddenly sort of let it out over the last couple of weeks, and if you've been paying attention, you've probably picked up on it. Are you ready for it? Who's ready to hear the 2018 theme? Yes, that's what I want. I was going to ask for a drum roll. So give me a drum roll. Here it is right here. Our theme for 2018 will be, drum roll, a Christ-centered community. You like that? That's what we're striving to be for 2018. Now, it's not saying we've never been a Christ-centered community before, because I think we have. But we want to make a concerted effort to make sure that when... People come and see us, come and 
visit us or see us out in the community and they know that you belong to Cornerstone, they say, hey, that's a Christ-centered community. Everything that we do for 2018 is going to be Christ-centered, Christ-focused. It's going to be a community. We, as, as I've said several times, we are a community, are we not? But we are a community that lives in a community. Okay? Our community is not just contained within these walls. Our community goes, goes outside of the walls. Now then, we know, you, you know, that if, okay, who's, who is a part of a family? Who came from a family? Pretty much everybody. Did that family require things of you in order to be in that family? No? Okay, for everybody except one person, families require stuff of us, do they not? Okay. The same goes of a community, right? Are there not things that, that we have to do to be a part of the community? Because what happens when you don't do part, your part in the community? The community will kick you out? Now then, I'm not saying we're going to kick you out, because we're not about that necessarily, but... Every person who is a, a follower of Christ, well, there are some commitments that are, are, are required of us. There are some community commitments for us. So here they are, and we've talked about these. Number one, the first commitment is Christ, right? Because obviously, how can you be in a Christ-centered community without first being committed to Christ, right? So we want to commit to Christ, okay? This is about our own spiritual formation. This is about our own devotional time, our own prayer time, okay? This is about reading Scripture and meditating on Scripture and praying Scripture. We will be devoted to Christ in all that we do. That also means that as we interact with others, we will reflect Christ, Right? Now then, reflecting Christ out in the community is really easy, right? Yeah, no, it's not. So what does it require of us? What do we need dwelling inside of us to help us? The Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit in order to properly reflect Christ and to show that we are the people of God. So our first commitment is to, say it with me, Christ. Our second commitment is community. Both in the life of this church and outside. Over the last couple of years, you know, several years we, we've started to do uh, a lot of community things. We've been engaged in community things for a while with, with Providence and the things that we've done there with, with Vashti. Uh, I, I have an opportunity coming up uh, in about three weeks to go and uh, speak at Vashti's annual uh, pastor's breakfast where they just bring pastors in from the community. It's kind of a, an appreciation thing, but it's also to say, hey, here's who we are and here's, here's what we do. Because of the, the work that we've done there over the last year, they want, they've invited me to come and say, hey, look, we're Cornerstone. Here's what we've done to help serve those kids. Uh, and, you know, talking to their chaplain the other day, they already want to know when we're coming back. 
you know. And, and from what they told me, they have a brand new crop of kids that are there. Just about all the ones that were there the last time, they've, they've moved on. They've either transitioned out into, you know, into college or adulthood, or they've been able to return back home to their families or wherever it was they were staying. And they've got a whole new campus full of students, and they want to know when we're going to come back and, and spend time with those kids. Okay? It is very important for us to continue to be involved, not just in the community that's in here, but to engage the community out there. Right? It is important. So we want to encourage you to commit to the community in that way. And then the last one is this. Celebrating what God has done through worship, through fellowship, through communion, through presence, and through being present with one another. Okay? Now, when we worship, who are we worshiping? Are we, are we worshiping Kendall? No? No? We don't worship Kelly with her facial expressions that are so great. Right? Definitely don't worship me. There's nothing even remotely interesting about that. Right? No loud amen on that one. Wow, it's impressive. Who do we worship? Come on. Who do we worship? God. Christ. Right? So when we come to worship, when you come here on Sunday morning to gather corporately as the body, be ready to give your complete devotion to Christ, to God. Does that make sense? That's what we need to be doing. So, so that means you got to be present here too, right? you got to be present when you can be here. Okay? So be present. But more than that, more than just being present, you have to be present to those in front of you, right? Present, like eye contact, like close. We have to be present with one another. Right? Right, Kendall? <laughs> because there's nothing like being present in somebody's life, even in an uncomfortable way. But that's, you know, we have to be present. Okay? You ever been with somebody and they weren't present with you? Oh, man, this thing right here. Goodness gracious. Yeah, okay, hold on just a second. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I've been with people before where you know, I'm trying to have a meal with them, trying to have a serious conversation with them, and they just keep texting. And I just wanted to just send them a text and say, hey, did you forget I'm here in front of you, three feet away from you? You know? Uh, I heard, I heard um, uh, Randy Harris say that a, a cell phone is a horrible, horrible master. It can be a good servant, but it's a horrible master. You know, so we have to make sure that when we are together in here or around our tables that we are present with one another, engaging, looking people in the eye. You know, you know, it's like we've kind of gotten away from that, you know, to just have a conversation with one another, to sit down and ask about how life is and family and all of those things. So that's what, that, that's, what that's about. We want to commit to Christ in our spiritual formation, and that's prayer and scripture. I'm going to tell you something about that in just a second. The community, both within the church and the surrounding community, and celebrating 
what God has done through worship, fellowship, communion, presence, and being present. Now then, if you take a look through that passage we just read, you see every single one of those things. Did you know that? You see teaching about who? About Christ. You see the people who came together, they sold their possessions, they put it all together in the church for the community who, whatever you need, take. We're going to help you with it. And then what does it say at the, the very end? They were praising God. They were celebrating what God is doing. It's all right there in this passage. They were devoted to Christ, to community, and to celebrating what God has done. So those are the challenges. Those are the challenges for this year. So occasionally, you know, here we can just coin a phrase. You might hear us say, hey, commit to the C. You know? And you can use that as, a, as an encouragement for somebody. Hey, commit to the C. Christ, to community, to celebrating what God has, has done. Now, to, to help us with, with this, uh, there was a resource that I put online last night that some of you have probably, probably already seen. Uh, it, was in, uh, it went in the, the, uh, the community Facebook group. If you're not a part of that, send me an email and I'll, I'll send you the document so that you can download it. Uh, our shepherds, and, and spearheaded really by, by Jeffrey, have called on us to spend more time praying together as a body this year, right? If we're a Christ-centered community devoted to Christ, then we'll be praying together, right? So in order to help facilitate that, we've got a, a prayer guide that is available. And it'll probably take anywhere from about 7 to 10 minutes. And we're going to begin this starting tomorrow. And you just go on there, you open it up, and it's got a, a reading. It's got instructions. It'll tell you how to do it. You've heard me mention Lectio Divina before. That's a divine reading of Scripture. And it'll kind of walk you through how to do it. It'll give you some prayer prompts at the end. It'll have this. And so... Every day from tomorrow, January 29th through February 18th, I want us to spend time going through this, through this prayer guide. Okay? Now then, if you need access to it, let me know, and we'll make sure that we, we get this to you. But this is, this is one of the resources that we want to offer that is going to help us in our spiritual formation of meditating on Scripture and spending time in prayer. And as we move through the, through the uh, into the later into the year, there are some other things that we're going to introduce as well that's going to help more with our spiritual formation and our love for prayer and our love for Scripture. Um, I'm pretty excited about this stuff, about this idea of us making a, a concerted effort to focus on, on community. On, on loving our neighbors, on being more attentive to the things that are, that are going on around us. In order for that to happen, we must, we must be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. Right? We have to have the Holy Spirit active and present in our lives. Uh, Paul 
talking about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5. And he says, don't be filled with wine, which leads to debauchery or wild or riotous living. You know, don't get, don't get filled up on that stuff. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You realize what that's saying, right? Don't get drunk on wine. Get drunk or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying to you, to us right there. We must come under the influence of God's Holy Spirit that dwells inside of each and every believer. Which means we have to have an attitude of Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Okay, now then, it's easy to welcome the Holy Spirit in a place like this, right? In an atmosphere, in a setting. It's easy. Man, it's so easy. But what about when you go into that meeting where you know there's going to be conflict? Okay? What about when you're dealing with that neighbor that constantly says something or does something? What about when you're dealing with a family member that either lets you down, disappoints you, is passive-aggressive, or whatever else? when we have to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I need to come under your influence right now. Because if I'm under the influence of my own power or something else, things are going to go very badly. So I need you to manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I need you to manifest those things in my heart in my life, and I need to live out of it, right? We must be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. We are going to be a Christ-centered community, committed to Christ, committed to community, committing to celebrating. And I don't mean just, hey, hey guys, I mean really celebrating what God has done in our lives, which means as we spend time around tables, we need to talk about what God is doing in our lives, right? We need to share life together. Let's pray.